morning, everybody. A lot going on today. One service, six baptisms, family feast. Man, you guys picked a good day to come. I think it's pretty easy for most of us to see that baptism, what we're going to watch today, is a step for someone in their faith journey. We're going to hear that in their testimony. Things like, this is who I was, this is what I was doing, and then God, and now this. And so, because of what God was doing in their life, this is next. So, with this as the backdrop, um, that's the question I want to ask everyone in the room. What's next for you, do you think? Between you and God, what's next? Some of you have no idea, and nor do you care. You're like, I don't know, dude, it's not my thing. I'm just here for the food. Anybody here just for the feast? That's all right. I was just here for the feast for years and years. Just keep coming. It's okay. It's just not your deal. So you're out there. I know that for sure on a day like today. You're connected to a family member who's going to do this. This is not your deal. So you don't know. Some of you don't know, but you know God is doing something. I talked to a guy last week, and he can't believe he's in church. He's like, my 40 years on this planet, there's no way I should be here. I just shouldn't be, but I am. And what's even weirder than that, is weirder a word? Weirder than that, sermons make a difference in my life. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't listen to sermons. But when I hear one, it just stirs something up. So some of you don't know what's next, but you know God's doing something. Some of you know for sure what's next. Six of you for sure know what's next. This is what's next. A step of obedience. Maybe if you've been following for a while, probably what's next is the thing that keeps coming up between you and God. What keeps coming up? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like that thing, whatever it is, it just keeps coming up. That, that thing you do that does not honor God and you know you need to put it aside, it just keeps coming up. Or the thing that you are supposed to do to honor God, but you don't, it just keeps coming up. That might be next. Bad habit. Maybe the unforgiveness you're holding against someone, it just always has a way of just cycling back around. Whatever that thing is, that's probably next. For me, I would say it's grow up. If if God is saying anything to me lately, and the way he speaks is through his word, so make no mistake about it, there's no parting of the clouds and him just very lovingly chatting with me. It just doesn't happen. But as I read, the thing that I feel like he's saying to me most is, hey, it's time to grow up. I've been following Christ for almost two decades but there are still things in my life that I have left untouched for all of the decades. But there are still things in my life that I have left untouched for all of those years. And it's time for me to deal with those, according to him. So, I don't know where you are. All I know is this. I want you to grab this. Wherever you are, rarely are things ever static between God and us. There's almost always something going on. Almost always. 
he's almost always up to something. Not like he's up to something like it's bad. He's after something in us and for him. So what I want to do for just a moment is talk generally from the Word about what I think we might be able to expect in terms of what's next, depending on where you are. So we'll do that, not specifically from the Word, but generally, and then after I do that, then we'll get on to what we're here for, and that's the baptism. So, number one, from what I see in the Word about God, if you're someone who you're just sort of disconnected from the whole thing, you don't really care. You believe that he's there, and that's fine, but he's not really in your life, and you have no plans on that changing. This is what I think you should expect next. I think you should expect for him to come after you. And not like he's coming after you, not like that. I mean, I only say that because of what I read. God is someone who pursues those he knows are his. So if it's just a family member here and this is not your deal, I want you to expect probably that God is he's coming after you. Pick, it's, it's all you see in the Word. So pick, so maybe you don't know the Bible very well, but who are those things, that, who's familiar to you? What biblical figure is familiar to you? I, I don't care which one you pick. If you pick anyone you want, I can tell you who made the first move. See, there's a, there's a misnomer about the Bible. So apart from it, you think, well, that Bible is full of heroes, and those people were pretty awesome, and they chose to pursue God, and they did great things. But it's not the case at all. In every single one of them, they were, it was always God who did it. You'll find that God came first, God put up with them most of their life, God sustained them, and then God finished it. It was all really God. Pick any of them. Noah built a boat. He was just hanging out. He wasn't doing anything. And God said, I, I'm choosing to save you. Get a hammer. Abraham had a wife hanging out with his family in Ur. If you've been, in, if you've been with us for any stretch of time, Ur is right back there. <laughs> and God said, I choose you. I'm going to bless all nations through you. Let's go. Moses. Moses was hiding. He was hanging out on the backside of the desert. He was hiding because he'd killed somebody, and God goes to him. I love the story. Moses, Moses, take off your shoes, the burning bush. One of my favorites. David, the least of eight brothers, and he's out. He's taking care of sheep, and, and someone says, hey, Dad needs you at the house. He goes to the house, and this old guy says, God picks you. <laughs> to be a man after his own heart. On and on and on and on. God does it. God. God picks. God starts. Pick any of them. The disciples. The apostles. They were just running a fishing business with their dad, and then God was like, one guy worked for the IRS, sort of. Collected taxes. His name was Matt. He looked up from his table one day, and God was like, you. So I just want you—this is who God says he is. Here's the verse. This is what God is like. And I'm not going to read it specifically, but in general, this is it. 
if he knows that a hundred sheep are his, but he only has 99 on the hill and one is out here in the weeds somewhere, he's always going to the one. That's where he's going. So I know if this is not your deal, that you don't think you're a sheep and you don't think you're lost. And the, the reason you don't come and this is not your deal is because we say things like that. And you're like, see, calls me a lost sheep and that's why I don't come here. I'm just telling you, he's coming for you. And it's not about you. He's just that, there's nothing about you. You didn't catch his attention because you're awesome. You're not. He is. How is he coming? I don't know, but I want you to pay attention to two things. Pay attention to your pain. Part of the way that God comes after you is he lets you be you until you wreck it. And then that pain will move you to him, but that still counts because he let it happen. So pay attention to your pain. It's a prime, it's a prime mover. If, if it's not good and you know it's not, even if you're holding it down and no one else knows it's a wreck, but you know it's a wreck, you pay attention to that because you can't fix it. You can't. The purpose is to move you to him. And then to pay attention to your people. God uses people to get to you. So who are the believers in your life? Even if they're in your own house, they sit around your table. You listen to what they say. Pay attention to the believers. God comes after people through other people. All right. I'd like to stay on that one most of the time. We're going to move on. Two. Some of you, so some of you just need to know what to expect next. God's coming. Two, some of you, what's next is an act of obedience. I would say for some of you, what's next is this act of obedience. The one you're going to see here, baptism. We got some good training in righteousness last week. Or, or let me back up one second. The reason I say this is maybe next for you is because you're part of the secret service. Have you ever heard of the secret service? I had one guy say it this way. I was part of the secret service for 10 years. But what he meant by secret service is he was a believer, but he just never told anyone. So some of you, I believe, are probably part of the secret service. You believe, like you've embraced how to be right with God. Are you right with God? Wherever you are in your seat, do you believe today that you are right with God? And why? How do you become right with God? Last week we got training in righteousness. So here's a simple question. Are we right with God because of what we do? Or are we right with God because something that's been done for us? That's the, probably the clearest explanation of something that is good news. They call the gospel good news. Is rightness with God something you got to go do, or did he do it for you and hand it to you? It's this one. Do you know 
that to be right with God is to receive it. You can't do it. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become right. Here's how you become right with God. Jesus takes your sin and he pays for it. He takes it away from you, leaving you sinless, which is what you need. Do you believe that God sent his son to take away your sin? Do you believe that? Well, let me back up. Do you believe, number one, that you need it? So it starts with that. You believe you need it, and then you believe he actually did it for you, and you say, I want that. That is to be right with God. Many of you have said yes to that. Do you know what's next after you say yes to gifted righteousness that you've received? Do you know what's next? Baptism. You tell people. That's what God laid out in his word over and over and over again. Belief, baptism. Belief, baptism. Read the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, one of my favorite chapters. Lydia, rich, successful. Doesn't even look like she needs God at all. She has everything. She goes to a Bible study by a river. God opens her heart to believe. You know what happens next in the story? Right after that, baptism. Flip one page, there's a jailer. God scares the daylights out of him. He breaks everyone out of his jail. He thinks he's going to die. He said, what must I do to be saved? This dude says, believe on the one Jesus Christ. He does. Do you know what happens next, right after that? Baptism. The one I put in your bulletin. There's an Ethiopian. He's reading Isaiah 53. Read Isaiah 53. It's this description. He's reading about a suffering servant. And this servant is, says, God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Who is the servant that God laid upon him the iniquity of us all? Who is it? Come on. Thank you. And that's all Philip does. The guy's like, who's the suffering service? And I got a servant. And Philip goes, it's Jesus. So he explains it to him. He believes. And then there, here's the verse. And they're walking down the road. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture, Isaiah 53, and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going down the road, they came to some water. And he said, what would prevent me from getting baptized right now? And you know the answer to that? Nothing. To get baptized. So a lot of you have come right up to that, but you stopped. And you don't come here because you're afraid of two things. You're afraid you're going to fail. And you are, and you're afraid people are going to judge you, and they will. But the people that go today, they're not saying, I've made it. I am now perfect. What they're saying is, I couldn't be. The only way I knew to be right with God was Jesus, and so I'm grateful. I could hear what God said that he accomplished in Christ. I was grateful, and I've received it. And as much as I can, I'm going to turn my back on my old life. I'm going to follow him. But perfection is not expected coming out of this. It's not. He made perfect for all time those he will make holy. So are you 
I'll just use that term. So are you hidden in Christ? Are you clothed with Christ? When God looks at you, how does he see you? Yeah, he sees you as perfect. Practically, are you? No. So he's going to work that out. From this point on, there's a lot of being made holy ahead of you. There's a lot of being made holy in front of me. So acknowledge him. I mean, that you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. But if you stop right here, there's a writer of mine that I like. If you stop right here, if this is the spot where you said, I'm not going to go any further because I'm afraid of this or that or the other thing, then you'll never progress past your point of disobedience. Wherever you choose to step aside from what God has said, and what God has said is believe, get baptized, if you step off right there and you're, that's as far as you will ever go. He's not going to do anything else. You have to be obedient to the thing right in front of you. And then when you're obedient to the thing right in front of you, then there will be the next thing. But this is where you will stay. People bail on this all the time. Stop bailing on this. Hey, we, we, have, we have lists of people to be baptized. And then the big day comes. And the list goes, every time. I've been here for a decade. Every time. This latest group is no different. Hey, in my own home. I couldn't do that. I'm not going to do that. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. What's next for you is probably a step of obedience. Three. If you go today, if I read the word correctly, if you go today and you take this step, what's probably next, what you can maybe expect, and I want you to expect, is God's going to test you. God tests those that he loves, those that he loves. He, he's going to let you go through something so he can see what's in your heart. Now, he knows what's in your heart, but he wants you to see what's in your heart, because the more he can show you your heart, it's actually part of how repentance happens. It's not that he doesn't know. Now, he doesn't tempt you. God never tempts. He tests. Temptation is coming too. Right after Jesus was baptized, he was led to the desert, and he was tempted. So, temptation is coming. You should expect that. But I want you to expect that God will test you. That's what he says that he does to those that he loves. Right after he delivers his people, the Israelites, from captivity, takes them to the desert, and he says, I'm going to feed you from the sky. I'm going I'm to provide for you every day. But when I do, I only want you to take enough of what I provide for the day. Don't take more, because what I want you to learn to do is trust me every day. And then tomorrow, hey, I'll take care of it. But you have to trust me. And Moses tells him, here's the verse. They called it an omer. You only, you only get one omer a day. And he says, take one. Because God is testing you to find out if you love him. Do you really believe him or not? If you read the story. Lots of people took two and three and four. Do you know why? Because they didn't trust him. And 
Well, I'll let you read what happened to the stuff that they took. It's actually a pretty good story. All kinds of testing. There's a great story about a king. His name's Hezekiah. And God says this to Hezekiah. I've got your borders. All right? I got it. Do you trust me? No one's going to get you. But see, there was no one. Here's the crazy thing. There was no one guarding it. Like, it did, he couldn't see it. He's like, I got it. But right, and he said, okay, I believe you. I trust you. Right after that, God allows a contingent of neighboring nations to come over and have a conversation with the king about his borders. And they say, your borders look exposed, man. But we'll fortify your borders for you if you pay us from the treasury. And so he's like, why did, it says this, 2 Chronicles 32, 31. And God let that contingent come because he wanted to see what was in that man's heart. So, if you go today, he's going to tell you who he is and what he's going to do. And he wants you to trust him for the day, for that. But he'll give you an opportunity to prove it. He'll give you an opportunity to prove what's in your heart. So, test it. And the last one is, for all of us, that would say that we believe, that we, have, that we are followers of Christ. I think what we should expect is to make every effort to actually live it out. Not just here, but put it into practice. Here's the passage, I'll read it, and then we'll be done. This is what he says. If you've been following for a while, this is what he says. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Means this. If you've been following for a while, he picked you, you didn't pick him. He has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So what are the promises? There are a lot, but the promises are gifted righteousness, Holy Spirit, so the Spirit of God to dwell in you, and heaven. There are others. Those are the big three. Those are yours, if you believe. So that through them you may become partakers of divine nature. You have something new inside of you. Having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of the sinful desire. So you have everything. If you've been following for a while, you have everything you need to be something new. And where did you get it? He gave it to you. They are yours in the promises. So what's next? Live like it. At the end of this passage, it actually says, prove it. You say you're of God, you say you're a follower of God, you say you're a believer, live it, walk it. And then there's this list that says, you add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue. That's the first one. If you've been following for a while, walk it. What's next might be virtue. No more compromises of integrity. Stop lying. Stop lying. What might be next is knowledge. Do you know him? Do you know him? 
You're claiming it, but do you know him? And why not? He's revealed who he is in his word. Know how to handle the word. Go there. Get there. Spend time there. What's next for you is know him. You've said it, but now do it. Self-control. Stop losing it. Anger comes from impatience. Impatience comes from selfishness. And self, because you get mad because you can't make me wait. Selfishness comes from pride. The reason I've tried to sort all this out is because I always lose it in anger. And I'm trying to figure out where it comes from. And I think that's the, so ultimately it really is like, I'm too important to be held waiting. And so you have to do this. I have to get angry. But really, all of that got mashed at the cross because Think about how you came when you came to faith. How did you come? Were you full of yourself and prideful? No, he squashed you down. You were full of humility, and that's a gift. You have everything you need not to lose it anymore because God humbled you. Stay there. It's hard to lose it when you're humble. And he already did that for you. Self-control. Steadfastness. Some of you are ready to quit. Well, here's what's next for you. Don't quit. Don't. You have everything you need. You have the great promises. Don't quit. Gifted right, Holy Spirit, heaven waits. Don't quit. It'll be worth it. Godliness. Shine a little light. When you walk into the room... You shine a light, or not so much. About a little godliness. Brotherly affection, be nice and love. Those people around, here's what's next. Those people around you, you work for them what is in their best interest, even if it's setting yourself aside. And the reason you could love them in that way is because God loved you that way in his son. You cannot impart what you do not possess, but you possess it because God did it for you. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what you're worried about anyway coming out of this tank? To be ineffective and unfruitful and judged and beat up and stumbling? So this applies to everybody. Whoever lacks them has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his sin. And then 10 ties it all. Confirm your calling and election is sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall, it says. That's what I think is next. So whatever part of that you can grab, think about it. What's next? For us is May Hirely. Here's a baptism. Well, when I was little, you know, mom and dad would always t tell me all the Bible stories, and and I would always love it and things like that. And I, I always wanted to, I feel like, be more closer to Jesus and have that relationship with Him, and and to to bring Him into my life. My dad came home one night and asked if I wanted to be baptized. And so I told him, you know, I'll pray about it and I'll think about it. And it just came up out of the blue. And I've been, I was thinking about it 
And so I prayed about it and, and I felt like it was the right thing to do. So I decided that I'm going to be baptized. Well, I want to tell everybody that I have accepted Jesus Christ into my life and that I'm ready to follow him. Um, baptism is a journey I think everybody needs to make. And for me, it's an important journey in my life. And I mean, I've had Jesus all my life, but I just feel like I need to make that relationship one step closer. And for all these rest of my years, I need to have him by my side and for him, or for me to lean on him. Wow, uh, I'd probably cry. So uh, these are tears of joy. Um, it's a big deal, May. I'm very proud of you. Your mom and I um, have seen you grow spiritually. Um, and I know this is not the end. This is not completion. This is just the beginning. And as I stand here today with you, I'll be here for you. Because... <laughs> You've seen me fall. I'm not perfect, but I'm here for you. So is your mom. <clears throat> I'm May's um, middle school youth pastor, and I just want to tell you um, what an example you are to others. Um, not just an example to your peers or just the little kids. You are an example to all the believers of all ages. You're an example to me. It's obvious that the Holy Spirit is in you, your, your love, your care, your concern, your generosity, your kindness, just your sweet spirit. And I just, I pray that, that you remain open to doing um, the work that God has for you in his kingdom. So based on your testimony, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, I've been having, I've had struggles in my past with temptation and stuff, and Christ has helped me to slow down that and get me out of that area. The thing that helps me is probably mostly God's love. It makes me think about how He loves me so much and I should love Him back and so I should be obedient in loving Him. So as I've been growing up in the church, I've started to get these deeper feelings of love for Christ. And just about a month ago, I really felt the urge to take the next step in my uh, connection with Christ. I want to get baptized to show others that I'm a Christian and to show them that I believe in Jesus, that he died for me. When I first became a Christian, it probably wasn't as strong as a relationship as it was now because I was just learning about it then. And now I know more about Christ and I've read the Bible more and I, feel, I feel like I have a better understanding of him now. So now I think it's time for me to take the next step and be baptized. Vaughn, it's been amazing to see you um, accept Christ into your life and claim his blood to cover your sins. 
and to go from being condemned by the enemy to being forgiven by Christ. And um, I am just so privileged to see you carry on the uh, heritage that has been going down generation to generation and the heritage of godly men and women that have followed the Lord. And um, I'm so excited today to see you carry on your faith and steadfastness and excited to see how you grow and how the Lord uses you in your life. Vaughn, it's been really cool over the last couple of years to watch you grow from this quiet kid who, who would just kind of sit there and, and, and absorb um, to to a young man who's, who's thoughtful and, and really thinks through the things that we study. Um, and I, I, just, I just want you to know that I've seen that. Um, and so it is just cool and, and an honor for us to be able to be a part of this, about this with you. Um, so based on your testimony, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I get to speak about Abby Pavlin. Uh, she is coming up here to get baptized today, and uh, she's a little nervous to do a, a video, um, but she is not going to let that be an obstacle for her to get in this tank. Uh, I got I to sit down with her, and I uh, got to hear her story, and uh, Chad talked about how God just comes after us, and Abby is just a story of God's pursuit in her life. Um, she's had some difficult things that she's had to walk through, and some difficult decisions that she has have to make, had to make, and and she sat in my office, and, and she talked to me how she wants people to know that she's a believer in Christ, and she's getting in the tank today to say, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to be about, and I'm going to show it, and I'm going to live it, and I don't care who gets in my way, Jesus is my Lord. And so we're excited to baptize Abby today. And so Abby, based upon your testimony today, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I started going to church at a young age, two years old, and I had to stop for a while. Um, then my grandma started taking me back to church again, and during that time I had a few difficulties. And I needed someone to look up to, and when I heard about this guy, Jesus, who've done these amazing things, I wanted to look into it, find out who he is, what he's done for us. So. I realized that I really did need someone like him, and I kept going to church. Well, God has impacted my life by showing me ways to take on challenges that Satan throws at me, to try to overcome all fear and um, all the bad things in life. I mean, I have all my siblings. I might as well be grateful for them. And I have a perfect home. I could have anything I asked for. And some people don't have that. Some people don't even have clean water to drink or clothes to wear. So I think it's um, his ideal 
that I'm born in such a good family and I'm very grateful for that. Well, Jesus means to me, he is, um, you know, he's kind of like the North Star where he directs people like to have a clear voyage in some ways. He's my guidance. He's what I need to stay on track. He's basically like a loving father. That's what he is, technically. He shows me the way and what to do and how to do it so I don't come lost and end up empty-handed, which he is okay with. He's a very forgiving person. He is always so kind and I love him for that. Well, at first I didn't know what baptism was and I thought it was just some gateway to get closer to God and like seal the deal on me going to heaven. Well, I was completely wrong. It's a public statement where you're showing everybody that you're making this commitment and going on the path towards Christ. Um, and I think that if I get baptized, it would help me in a way to stay on that path and make my commitment and make it easier for me to um, stay on the path of Christ in the first place. Raven, this is just such an amazing day. I know you've been so pumped for this. We're just so excited that, that you're, you're taking that step. And um, I just pray that you continue to take those steps, that you, you cling to God, that you cling to his word. And you're just, when I think of you, you are just, you're so full of passion. That is just, you just are. And I just, I pray that, that you let God use that passion just to continue to do his work. And so um, your grandma and I now, based on your testimony, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Emily Albers is going to come up here and join us in the tank. And uh, Emily has uh, a profound story of God's grace and peace in, in her life. Uh, Emily uh, sat down with me in these last couple weeks, and uh, it, this has been a hard road for her. Um, and you mothers can probably relate. Emily has this beautiful little girl, Eleanor, and she's about a year old. And and the enemy really tried to wedge herself, himself in her life to make her believe that God was going to take her, or the enemy was going to take her away from her little girl. And it stirred this anxiety and panic to the point that she couldn't, she couldn't even find the way to, to read scripture. She was so scared and nervous and anxious, but God began to just work and work and pursue and pursue and bring her peace into her life. And she said, I'm not going to let the enemy deter me to follow after him and to pursue after him. And so she is excited today to say, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm pursuing after him. Nothing's getting in my way. I'm not gonna let him hold me in fear and anxiety. I'm gonna give it to God. And so today we get to celebrate our sister taking her next step. I am Emily's aunt and, and I have just watched her grow up and I know she's always known Jesus, but now she really knows Jesus. And it's been so exciting watching her choose to believe and choose to trust and know that 
God's got this for her. So based on her testimony, we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. journey started out when I was younger. I went to church occasionally. Um, when I was in elementary school, I started going to a youth group by myself. I would ride my bike up and go to youth group and I really just felt better about myself going. So after I did that for a little while, I kind of stopped and I just kept doing my normal routine. I would just go to school, work and stuff. But I always just felt as if I was missing something. Like I always just felt like I needed to be going to church and to just be, you know, guided in the right way, I guess, and just learn more about it. Um, after I had my first son, um, I wanted to so badly go to church because I wanted to have my children grow up in church because I hadn't really um, and that was important to me and then we had kind of got out of the routine of going and ended up moving down here um, and we were married here um, we would come here every once in a while but nothing really routine um, up until just recently the end of 2016 uh, something traumatic to me happened and I just felt that that was the time in my life where I was just at the point where I needed to just turn to Jesus and follow him and be comforted by him and I just felt at peace with learning more um, so I started to come to church regularly. Jesus impacted my life by just giving me um, comfort. I felt protected. I feel just very comfortable talking about him and learning about him and uh, just, I don't know, I'm, I feel proud to be a Christian. I feel proud to teach my children that and I want my children to grow up and, and involve their, their being in him because that's a Important to me. I want them to know that Christ is everything, you know, and I, I want that to be important to them as it is to me because I don't want them to feel like death is scary or anything like that because in the end we're all going to be together and we're going to be with God and Jesus and it's just going to be amazing. Um, Christ to me is my Savior. Uh, he is my comforter, my protector. Um, Christ is good. Uh, he just is the most pure and perfect thing imaginable to me. I want to be baptized because I feel like there's some sort of a declaration of it. Um, feeling proud of it. I want everyone 